The children may now be dismissed for Children's Church. And those who remain, if you would find a Bible, if you brought yours or if you need to use one of our new Pew Bibles, uh, find Matthew chapter 13, if you would. This is, in my mind, the climax of every Sunday morning when we read God's Word together. I'd like for you to find it, for you to be able to see it in your hands. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read Matthew 13 verses 1 through 9, but then we're going to study verses 18 through 23. And the reason is, in Matthew 13, 1 through 9, Jesus tells a parable. In verses 18 through 23, he explains the parable. So we'll read the parable, then we'll study his explanation of it. So I'll ask you if you're able to, if you would please stand. We'll read together Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Let God's word speak to you. I I pray that you'll have ears to hear it. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, And the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray together. Father, please give us ears that hear. Please, through your supernatural power, soften hardened hearts. Please deepen shallow hearts. Please clear out compromised and confused hearts. Lord Jesus, may we all be good soil for your word right now and forever from this point. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When people hear God's words either like we are right now in a sermon or they hear it preached on the radio or on TV or they read it in the Bible or if it's in conversation, like what Rodney shared over lunch, somebody shares the gospel or God's word. When people hear God's word, they don't always respond in the same ways. Sometimes people hear God's word and it bounces off. They're rock hard, it just bounces off of them. It doesn't phase them at all. Other people hear God's word and initially it excites them and they love it. But it's always temporary and eventually they discard it and they turn away from it. Other people hear God's words and they take it in, they receive it, but their lives are so complicated and their minds are so confused with other desires and other worries and concerns that it never takes full effect in their lives. 
And then others hear God's word and they get it, they receive it, they understand it, they imbibe it, they take it in and they grow and they move forward. And the question for us this morning is what makes the difference? How, how come some people receive it so differently from other people? And I'll bet all of us in here have loved ones that we wonder, why don't they get it? I'll bet each of you know people who have been in church. Maybe they grew up in church as a child and turned away and you wonder, what happened? They had the same powerful word that I had or such and such had. And yet these people grew and flourished and, and took it in and responded and these people have turned away. What made the difference? See, thankfully, Jesus teaches us here quite a bit about the human condition and quite a bit about how people receive the word. And I think that this will be very helpful for us. It'll help us to understand our own relationship with Christ, and it will help us to think about those loved ones that we may be concerned about and those people that we share the gospel with. So, there are four different types of soil that Jesus refers to in this parable. Okay, so when he talks about a sower sowing, he's not talking about you know, working with fabric. He's talking about someone who's sowing seeds, planting seeds. And the seeds fall on four different types of soil. And we're just going to look at each of the four types and trust God's word to do its instructive work in our lives as we do. So verses 18 and 19, we see that some people are hard soil. Some people are hard soil. Look again at verses 18 and 19. Or not again, because we haven't looked over there yet. But this is where Jesus explains the parable, starting at verse 18. And we'll read verses 18 and 19. Now he's talking to his disciples and he's explaining this to them. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, or the gospel, the word of God, as one of the other biographers has it, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So the first type of soil, the first type of person Jesus is teaching us about is just hard. They're like hard soil. So when the word of God hits them, it just bounces off. It doesn't penetrate at all. These people can hear the most powerful sermon. These people can hear the most eloquent gospel presentation. They could sit in an airplane beside Billy Graham for 13 hours and yet remain unfazed, untouched, unmoved by God's word. It's like trying to plant grass seeds on our driveway coming in. We have this beautiful newly paved parking lot and driveway. Now imagine going out there and your task is to try to get grass to grow on that driveway. It doesn't matter how much you seed you put out there. It doesn't matter if you water it a ton. It doesn't matter if you use a lot of great fertilizer. It doesn't matter how much lime you put down on that driveway. It doesn't matter if you come every morning and sing soothing songs to the seeds. Nothing is going to grow on ground that hard. And Jesus is saying some people are this way. Now, what's scary about this, well, that's scary enough, but what's extra scary about it is for people who are hardened soil like this, there is no hope for some osmosis effect. 
There is no hope that if the seed sits on them long enough, it'll one day sink in. And you know why there's no hope for that? Did you see in the verses? Look back again. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. See, these, this type of person, this hardened type of person who doesn't have ears that hear, who doesn't understand, is especially susceptible to the evil one snatching away what they've heard. Yes, there is an evil one. And I realize I might sound like a lunatic saying that, especially out in our culture, that there is a Satan, there is a devil. It sounds like hocus pocus. It sounds foolish. But there is an evil one. We do have an enemy. And when someone hears the gospel or hears God's word, it triggers a response. A twofold response. It says that he, in verse 19, it says that the evil one comes and that the evil one snatches away what has been sown. Do you believe that we have an enemy? It's unfashionable to believe that there are spiritual forces at work. It seems unintellectual. It seems backwoods. It seems foolish. But the majority of civilizations throughout history have believed in spiritual forces. It's, It's actually rare that human societies have not believed in it. There are real spiritual forces at work in our lives, in the lives of people that we care about. So, let's say you have someone in your mind that you think is this hardened, this hard soil person. And you wonder what happens when they hear God's word or they hear good biblical advice or a good gospel presentation. What happens to that? Why doesn't it sink in? Well, it hits that hard crust and it lays there. And then Satan, or the evil one, is pictured as this, this hungry bird who's perched above on a tree limb. And as soon as he sees the seed hit the ground, he swoops down and takes it away. That word snatch means to seize by force, suddenly and decisively. To take by open display of force. So the seed is not just going to sit there until it sinks in. Our enemy's not going to allow that. This is an utterly hopeless position to be in. So keep this one in your mind. Some people are hard soil. Let's look at the next type of person. Some people are hard soil. Some people are shallow soil. Read with me verses 20 through 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is a portrait of a shallow soil person. So if the hard soil person uh, is unreceptive to the word, if it hits them like it hits a rock and bounces off, the shallow soil person is hyper-receptive. They love to receive the word. It says they receive it, how does it say? Here's the word and immediately receives it with joy. These are the kind of people who might even say amen during a sermon. These type of people probably raise their hand when they're in Sunday school and actually interact with the teacher. These people, these are the all in people. 
You know the all-in people. When they show up in the church, they are all-in for everything. They're at every event. They're at every function. They respond to every call for a volunteer. They're all-in for a little while. But the shallow soil person never lasts. Have you experienced this in your life? Do you know people like this? They receive the word immediately and joyfully. But as soon as they encounter hardship because of the word, as immediately as they received it, they let it go. It says they endure for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. You know, I would love to use that baptistry a lot more often. We've not baptized very many new believers. You know, that probably has to do with deficiencies in us. We've got a lot of growing to do as Christians and as a church and in terms of evangelism and discipleship. You know, also, we know that it's the Lord that adds to our number, and he has not seen fit to add new believers to our number yet. I don't know if he's strengthening us so we'll be ready for it to actually disciple and nurture them. But what breaks my heart is to look back on the few times that I have waded into that water and realize that two-thirds of those people have virtually disappeared from any involvement with church and, for all I know, any involvement with Jesus Christ. And I think back on that, and I'm like, what happened? There was a time when this person was joyful about this, and they were eager, and they were immediate in their embrace of these things. So much so that it seemed that God had saved their souls, and they were changed and new. So we waited in there together and baptized them, and two-thirds of the very small amount of people that I've baptized are gone. Now, I'm not passing judgment on them. I don't know where everybody is in their hearts or what they may be you know, involved in a different church that I just haven't heard about yet. But it concerns me. It reminds me of people that you meet. Maybe you've met some folks like this who got saved at a Billy Graham crusade 60 years ago, and they're banking on that. Yet they've showed no interest in Jesus Christ in the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Have y'all known people like that? I have one particularly close to me. This is their claim to salvation. I went down at a Billy Graham crusade. There at that crusade, the seed sunk in and they got it. And they said, yes, I want this. I want to follow Jesus. And they went down and I don't know what happens when you go down. I know it's very well thought through and I'm not at all trying to denigrate, you know, Billy Graham crusades. A lot of good comes from them, but a lot of folks... Whatever sprouts up in those moments just shrivels very quickly. And you know, what he says here is that it's when external factors shift. It's when external factors become inhospitable to this new life in Christ that the shallow soil people discard it. He uses two words, tribulation and persecution. Tribulation means internal pressure. It's... um, like a, it literally means like you're feeling pressed and squished and, and rubbed down and confined. And you're feeling stressed because whatever pressure is coming down on you for believing the word and you discard it. And the second word is um, persecution. 
That has more to do with external pressure, people hunting you down or making fun of you or in some countries beating you, imprisoning you. Shallow soil people cannot withstand these things. And so as immediately as they grabbed hold of of God's word and the gospel, they let go of it. As I was praying about this, I could not escape thinking about youth, youth groups. And so this is a little sidebar I just feel like I should share. We don't have a ton of our youth uh, in here right now. You two. Um, Robert had three in Sunday school, so it was intense. I think that our youth, our teenagers, are especially in danger of being shallow soil people. And you see what happens. You know, when you're in the youth group, and I'm talking to like you three here, but when you're in the youth group, external factors are very positive about you being involved with Christianity. Your family loves that you're involved in the youth group. Your church loves that you're involved in it. The external forces are positive to it. But then you see what happens when they exit high school and they head into college and external forces shift. And suddenly, you know, depending on what school you go to, professors are making fun of Bible-believing Christians. And other students, at, at least, are probably disregarding it, if not outright mocking it. And as soon as those external forces shift, many, many, statistically speaking, many folks who were formerly very engaged with youth group drop it all. And it turns out there, there was no root deep down within them to withstand that heat of the external factors being against Christ. And I've seen a lot of that happen. I haven't been here that long, and I've seen a lot of that happen. Tribulation and persecution reveal if we have a root down in us of the gospel or if we just have a surface-level attachment to it. Have you ever wondered about people who, man, they seem to be mega-Christians, and then they fall away from the faith? I mean, maybe they were super involved in church for decades, and then they, then they turned their back on it. Have you ever seen that happen, and you are scratching your head thinking, what, did they lose their salvation? What happened? I think those are shallow soil people. And Jesus says, they hear the word and immediately receive it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then when the tribulation and persecution comes, they immediately let go of it. But he doesn't tell us how long that enduring for a while might be. I mean, some of these shallow soil people may endure and stay involved with Christianity type stuff for days, weeks, months, years. I actually believe that shallow soil people can stay involved with Christian stuff without being transformed by the gospel for their entire lives and not find out until the end that they were shallow soil people who never really got it. And the reason I think that, one reason, comes from the very next parable that he talks about. It's called the parable of the weeds. And he talks about how the church, the kingdom of God, is like a field in which uh, the person who owns the field plants. Let me just read it to you. It's silly. (laughs) I'm trying to tell you when it's right here. Just listen to this. I know I'm reading a lot of Bible, but that's a good thing. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. 
So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And it's this threshing idea that the, 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 true, the true wheat, the true Christians are heavier and they fall to the floor and the wind blows the chaff away. But they both grow up together until the end when the harvest comes. So I, I think that there may be shallow soil people who are with us seemingly all the way to the end of the age, which would explain some of these folks who for decades are super involved in church and just seem to be spiritually awesome, but then turn away when there's some pressure, some tribulation or persecution. I don't think it's that they lost their salvation. I think it's that they were always just just surface deep and it just never came that they had the real pressure to give it up. That's my theory anyway. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, it's the one who stands firm to the end that will be saved. It's the one who stands firm all the way to the end who will prove that, yes, indeed, they were Christians saved. But all along the way, there'll be shallow soil people who will pop up, disappear, pop up, disappear, pop up, disappear. So the bottom line for the shallow soil person is that Shallow receptiveness of the word does not yield saving faith. It's deep receptiveness, the kind that allows it to sink into the core of you, to dig that root down deep into you, that will enable you to endure through the heat of tribulation and persecution to the end and be saved. So we have hard soil people, we have shallow soil people. Then Jesus teaches us about compromised soil. Some people are compromised soil. And I'll explain what I mean. Look with me at verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So the compromised soil person is like a garden with with tons of I totally lost the word I was looking for. Tons of of really aggressive weeds. The compromised soil person is like a garden with a ton of weeds in it. Have any of you tried to garden in a plot that had tons of weeds in it? If you don't get all those weeds out, the weeds will choke everything. I assume. I don't know anything about gardening. This word choking is two words put together. It's not just choking. It's being very closely identified with what is choking you. It's, it's the idea of being so wrapped up in these things that it kills you. It's what we're so afraid of when you have toddlers and, you know, the, the blind cord hangs down. Have any of you ever had to put the blind cord up over the blind so that the toddler won't come and strangle himself in it? You, you need to do that if you have toddlers in your house because... They even have on the blinds a little picture of a toddler 
like reaching for the cord and it's got the red circle with a line through it saying, don't let that happen. Because kids get a hold of stuff like that and they just want to wrap it all around them and through their legs. And, you know, I've seen my kids do this with other things. And sure enough, eventually they'll wrap it around their necks. It just feels interesting, I guess. And if you're not tending to them, they could potentially choke themselves and kill themselves. You know, kids are dumb, right? Well, we never really evolved past that. Because as adults, we are still prone to entangle ourselves with things that will choke us and kill us. It will choke the word and render us fruitless. Things that grow so intertwined with you that you become identified with them and they choke the life out of you. And he lists some things out. So these folks, the compromised soil people, are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. That word cares means worries and anxieties. Cares of the world, the world being this present age as opposed to the future age. The world means the, the current stuff that's right in front of you as opposed to the big picture, the important stuff. These cares, these worries, these anxieties can choke the word out of your life, rendering you useless as a Christian. Deceitfulness of riches, being deceived into pursuing them as gods. Mark adds uh, desire for other things. Luke adds, he says, cares, riches, and the pleasures of life. So the picture is just other things. So we receive the word and we take it in, but we've really got our eye on all these other things and we're wrapping these other things around our lives and to the point where they, it just chokes any chance that the word has of producing fruit in us. The, wor- the root word for what he says here, cares of the world, literally means dividing and fracturing. It's a picture of a person divided and fractured into many parts. Do you ever feel that way? Split into many parts because you're worried about this and you're thinking about this and you really want this. I know I should be following Jesus, but I got to think about this and half my heart's over here, half my brain's over there. Divided, fractured out until you're rendered useless and fruitless. I've been there many times. I assume that you have too. All these weeds of worries and anxieties and money and other desires and other pleasures grow up around you, pulling you in different ways until it chokes out the word's power in your life and it renders you fruitless. Now, fourth kind of soil. Finally, we're to the positive one. We've looked at the the hard soil people, the shallow soil people, the compromised soil people, but there's a fourth kind, fruitful soil people. Look at what he says in verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. The good soil person, the fruitful soil person, hears the word, understands the word, and takes it in in such a way that they're fruitful and they bear fruit. So, I mean, I think the question that we all are wondering about ourselves is, is that me? 
Am I a fruitful soil person? We all want to be that. Now, here's some questions. First, do you hear the word of God? Like when it's preached right now or when you open your Bible, do you hear it? Do you see it? Do you have ears that hear and eyes that see? Or is it to you, it might as well be upside down. It makes no sense. You have no understanding. See, the good soil person has been enabled to hear and understand the word of Jesus Christ. Do you hear it? Do you understand it? Or is it just like a foreign language and it's meaningless to you? One of the other ones, I think Luke says, hold fast. Do you hold fast to the word and take possession of it and make it your own? Is your Bible full of notes and highlights because this is your, this is for you? And then secondly, do you bear fruit? It's a simple test. Do you bear fruit? Have you grown? Are you different now than you were five years ago or however long? Are you more Christ-like now than you used to be? Are you more free from the sins that used to entangle you than you used to be? Is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, whichever ones I forgot, have these things started to become more evident in your life? Have you become more tender and sensitive to the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sins? When's the last time you confessed a sin and, and repented and asked for forgiveness? Those are all good signs of fruitfulness. Or, does God's word bounce off of you? Do you get it for a little bit, but it always shrivels away? Or are you so consumed with the other worries of life that this is completely choked out and really has no hope of making you fruitful? Now, here's the scariest part of all this. Now, I don't know if this is, is speaking to you individually or if it's making you think of some person that you care about. But here's the scary part about all of this. Jesus presents this just as information. He's not telling you what to do about it. He's not saying some people are hard soil and they need to do X, Y, and Z or else. He's just saying some people are hard soil and they're not, they don't get it. Some people are shallow and some people are too compromised. It's just information. And all three of those, the hardness, the shallowness, the compromised soil, all three of those are so hopeless. I mean, if that's you, or if that's your loved one that you're thinking about, what hope is there for them? Can that driveway turn itself into soft, good, fruitful soil? Can, can the parsonage red clay yard just turn itself into good, fruitful soil? See, really, we, we are the first three soils apart from God's supernatural intervention. We are in a hopeless situation apart from Jesus coming in and doing supernatural things, giving us a soil transplant. I don't think a hard soil person can just go to being a good soil person because I tell them to. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses until God comes along and revives us. A dead person can't revive himself. 
You remember Romans said, there's none who does good, not even one. Jesus himself said, there is no one good except for the Father. So we are all some combination of those first three soils apart from God's intervention in our lives. We must have a change of soil. We, we need new creation. You know, God created Adam out of the ground, out of the dirt, out of the soil. And in Jesus Christ, he makes a new creation. That is the only hope. You know, I, I have a couple of people that have been brought to mind as I was preparing this sermon. And, you know, they've been around the word. They, they don't just need more word sprinkled on top of them. They need God to intervene and give them a new heart. And make him a new creation. Now, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So that is going to be the method that he uses. But I think the only response for us here is to just cry out to God. For him to change our hearts where needed. To to praise him if he has changed our hearts. If you find that you are good, fruitful soil. You didn't do that. God did that. Praise God. If there's this person that you're worried about that you love and you're like, they're definitely hard soil or they're definitely shallow soil or they're definitely compromised soil, let this be a call to cry out to God on their behalf because that is their only hope. It doesn't matter if you mail them a Bible verse every day, if they are impenetrable. They need God to intervene. So... That's how I'd like to close. We'll, we've uh, made a change to the final song to be more appropriate to this. And my sermon evolved after I submitted what the music. Um, but let this be an opportunity for us to remember how dire our situation is apart from God's work. To remember those that we love, that they, they don't just need to clean up their act. They need to be completely changed and renewed and refreshed and have their hard, shallow, compromised soil scooped up and tossed away and have the soil of Jesus Christ, the the fruitful, the good soil poured in. So I'm going to pray toward that end now. And then as we sing the closing song, this altar is always open to you. If, If you want to come up here and pray or have someone pray with you, grab me and I'll pray with you. If you're more comfortable and can pray more deeply just staying as you are, that's fine too. But let's go to God together in prayer in light of this. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you that you have taught us these things. Now we know them. Help us to live in light of them and help, Lord, may may we please be good, fruitful soil people. Please come down with those workmen's hands that created Adam and make us new creatures. Take that shovel and scoop out the hard soil and the shallow soil and the compromised soil and give us new soil so that we could receive the gospel every day and your word every day and thrive and grow and be strong and fruitful. These people that you've brought to our minds that we're concerned about, Lord, please be gracious to them and save them. Please change their hearts, change their soil, make them new through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.